On the road again? Nah. Today on Check Yourself, Intimate Lighting. Check yourself. So, taking a shower recently... And you need to know that I don't have great eyesight. Okay, so I get out of the shower, go to put deodorant on, realize that my deodorant is empty, gone. So I just grab some new stuff out of the drawer, put it on. And, you know, it doesn't smell great, but my wife is really into natural products. I thought that maybe this was some environmentally friendly deodorant that uh, just didn't happen to smell as good as it could. So I went about my day. And, uh, yeah, I noticed occasionally throughout this day, the day that I smell this sort of subtle, sulfurous smell. And my arm didn't feel great. My arm felt a bit, um, felt a little bit of pain at points. So whatever. 12 hours later or so, um, I'm taking another shower. And... As I'm washing, I realize that I'm pulling away clumps of armpit hair. My, uh... <laughs> I, I notice some redness, too, and some rawness in my left arm. So get out, look at the deodorant, which is, of course, Nair. I never knew that Nair came in a sort of deodorant shape. You probably knew that. You probably would not have made the same mistake as me, but... Here we are. Everything's okay, by the way. Although the in- the instructions on the on the Nair deodorant or or deodorant shaped container say do not leave on for more than ten minutes. <laughs> Whoops. Okay, so today, check yourself, listeners. We are listening or we are talking about a film called Intimate Light Lighting. It's a nineteen sixty five film, black and white, and it's a slice of life kind of film. There's this strong strain throughout Czech films, I think, of quiet, day-to-day, slice-of-life, gently comic realism. There are films of uh, some quiet sadness and the kind of failures that that many of us uh, encounter. And... At their best, these films, I think, uh, almost seem to be documentaries. You really feel like you're watching real life. And it's still story-shaped. You know, there's still art to it. Uh, And they're still presenting you an interesting slice of life. But it's not artificially dramatic. These are not big operatic films. And this film, in, in particular, Intimate Lighting falls really squarely within that tradition. Yeah, they seem to... They almost seem to pride themselves on their plainness and their sparseness or spareness and their ability to get you to care about people when there are no car chases, there's no explosions, um, there's no murder, there's no real threats of physical violence. And they have a real confidence, I think. And why shouldn't they, Right. Um, I should mention that this film was banned for 20 years by the Soviets 
which strikes me as even more absurd than normal because this is not a film with a message. It's not a film with a political point to make. It's just a film with real people and, and wisdom. So, starts out with a conductor doing his conductor thing, which this is a digression, but you know, I, I've gone to a fair amount of classical musical shows or classical music shows <laughs> over the years, and uh, I've written about classical music and even been paid for the privilege of doing so. And even so, there are times when I see the conductor and think, this is a big con job. That guy is just waving his arms randomly, getting paid. And I know that's not really the case. I'm kidding. I'm kind of kidding. Anyway, there's a man at his desk. He's got a typewriter before him. Concerts in a few days, we hear. Um, he's talking to some musicians now. Together with the soldiers, there's going to be 50, 65 of us. This is serious. He says, sit where I've assigned you. Otherwise, it's going to be a madhouse. And that seems to be foreshadowing, although we never actually see the scene that's implied. We see the musicians rehearse. It may be because I've been watching so many Czech films, but I was reminded of Milos Forman and the real people he uses in his films. The sort of quiet, again, sort of documentary aspect of it where you're seeing these faces and these people that are not hamming it up for the camera. You know, they're just doing what they would be doing if this were really taking place. We see a guy get off a train holding what appears to be a, a, an instrument case. There's a chic woman at his side. The guy has this regrettable hat on. Um, but the woman is beautiful. And they meet up with the other man, Kaja, the conductor we saw earlier. There, it turns out that the uh, that bad hat is a traveling musician, and he is here to see his friend Kaja, stay with him, and to play in the concert that was discussed earlier. So, a couple children run up saying, "Daddy, Daddy!" One tells on the other, "He went pee pee in the tub." I guess we all have at times, and. Uh, especially given the state of the world. And the woman tries to ingratiate herself with the little girl to no real avail. They all sit down to eat, along with the conductor's wife, who is pretty but more matronly, something of a contrast to the other woman. And I think this sets up a dichotomy that plays throughout the film, uh, the dichotomy between the person who stays and has a family and settles down and the person who continues to wander. So we learn that the other man uh, tours around the country playing Strauss waltzes. The little boy is, is chasing after his sister now outside yelling, bitch, bitch, which is not, not a great thing for a kid to do. This is a bad kid. Um, the young woman stacks several heavy, heavy blocks onto the, into the arms of Bad Hat. Too many, it turns out. He asks her to take them off before he drops them, but he can't, or she can't rather. Kaja is chasing the kids and can't hear the cries for help. Another man arrives and relieves Bad Hat of his burden. It turns out that this is Kaja's father. Um, father invites Bad Hat to a funeral. Sure, he didn't know the deceased, but hey, there's going to be some good music playing. There is a hen under the car. 
Kaja complains about it. His mother says, hey, it's not like that's just your car. How much money did your father contribute to that? How much money did I contribute to that? And there are lots of hens now. There's chaos as Kaja gets in and drives away. And then a lone egg rolls out from under the car. And chickens, eggs, hens, hen-packed. Um, you get this, the sense that Kaja is sort of frustrated and embarrassed. And maybe not completely satisfied with his place in life. And again, you get that contrast of, hey, Kaja goes, or I'm sorry, Bad Hat gets to go all over the country playing music. He's got this beautiful young woman at his arm. He, he's trimmer. Um, he's dressed, I think, a bit more chicly. Seems a bit more cosmopolitan, maybe. So the funeral. So they're in a car following the procession of mourners. Kaja, the father, Bad Hat, and his lovely woman. Uh, Bad Hat has removed his hat, perhaps an acknowledgement of the solemn occasion. The car stops. They get out. Such pretty eyes, Dad says, referring to the woman. The shock absorbers are broken, Kaja says. Bad Hat puts his hat back on. Dad says, oof, when she moves so nice, referring to that woman, that's really something. Although if she could just add a bit to her curves, she'd be better off. Um, Kaja's father talks of falling off a building once and getting his foot, his feet all bloodied. What shoes were you wearing, he's asked. Well, the shoes were all right, he says, but I was holding them in my hands. Well, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Another theme of the film that we'll see multiple times, I think, is youth and aging and how although maybe we think of the of the elderly as um being content that maybe they still have a sort of need to talk about their past glories and to convince younger people that they that they mattered too so the funeral they're singing as as they approach the grave um, our guys watch the mourners from a distance. There's beautiful music and a shot of grain blowing in the breeze. Once, said the father, I had a girl in a cornfield. She cried. But this isn't corn we're looking at, Kaja says. So what, Dad says. Again, you get the sense that he is trying to puff himself up a bit by telling these stories. Uh, Dad and Kaja played trumpets. Really lovely music. Bad Hat walks in the field. We cut to Might Be Awake. There are couples dancing indoors as music plays. A man holding two shot glasses sways as he walks and sings. Bad Hat is in the car with a woman. They're honking the horn, trying to get a certain uh, tone to the honks. It's not very endearing. I kept getting anxious in this, this uh, scene, actually. Kept uh, awaiting someone from inside to come out and start yelling at them. We cut to inside. <clears throat> Excuse me. Dad says to Kaja, we've got to go. They're blowing the horn, horn like crazy. Uh, old women carrying rakes walk by the car, staring at the woman. They have these frank gazes that clearly make her uncomfortable. She's young and beautiful, but they've seen and endured a great deal. Probably more, uh, it seems clear, than she ever has. Back to the homestead. 
The little boy holds a disturbingly real-looking gun at his sister. And again, the family eats. There's some gentle humor around who's going to eat what drumsticks. The woman gets into a laughing fit. So a really crazy laughing fit. Um, she ends up going into the hallway to try to contain herself. The, the town's pharmacist, who's also a musician, stops by, which somehow sends her into further fits of laughter. Um, you know, I was thinking about this as I watched it, that this is probably not the easiest thing in the world to fake, that kind of extreme hilarity. How do you, how do you perform that? But it's fairly believable as you watch her. One of the last times I remember not being able to stop laughing was at my last job. A coworker there replied to a, a group email, replied all, saying we can do this as needed. But for some reason, he put as needed in quotes. And for some reason, he accidentally wrote ass needed, not as needed. You know, it's a small thing, but that was a pretty conservative, um, buttoned-up organization. And I remember crying with laughter as I sat at my desk and imagined my friend hitting recall on the message and getting responses saying that it failed to be recalled. Anyway, Kaja leads musicians, including Bad Hat, in rehearsal. We've learned that he is um, Bad Hat's in town to join them in the concert. Kaja's wife and Bad Hat's girl sneak into the children's room to appear at the sleeping children. The musicians continue to play, playing songs familiar to 90s devotees of the children's television network Nickelodeon, as well as, you know, classical musical fans. Classical music fans. Shoot me. There's a nice insult when one of the musicians makes a mistake. Even a woodcutter can play that. Damn, son. Kaja's mother makes the bed while the woman watches. You wouldn't believe it, the mother said, but I'm a modern woman. She talks about how she and her husband eloped. The police were called and searched around, but by then the two were in France. She laughs when she tells the story, but there's also a kind of wistfulness uh, and a sort of retrospective sympathy for her own mother, who must have been terrified, right? Again, we see the musicians play. The camera moves subtly and confidently through this scene and throughout the whole movie, really. The camera work and the editing, like the writing, are quietly strong. They, they don't draw a lot of attention to themselves, but they're powerful in, the, in their own way. The mother talks to the woman. Uh, she's got this need, like the father, to convince the young woman that she was quite something in her day. There's something very human in that. And it's not something that I think you see a lot in movies, or at least I don't know that I do. There's an older player who talks to Bad Hat about his joints aching and the way that his body doesn't work the way that it used to. Clearly, aging is an ongoing theme in this this film. The young woman sneaks up on a cat outside and barks like a dog at it to frustrate it or annoy it. It's possible that she has more beauty than brains. Or maybe she's just young. She holds the cat up to the window where the men are playing, distracting Bad Hat. The musicians stop, and she holds up a different cat. Leave us alone, he says. Gentlemen, Bad Hat says to the others, She's still young. 
The young woman goes wandering outside, and a man, probably mentally disabled, greets her as Vera. I like you, Vera, he says. She talks to him through a fence. Come walk with me, he says to her. But where would we go, she says. Come on. I've never seen so pretty a girl in my whole life. So she flirts with him a bit. It's not unkind. It's, uh, you know, my mother works with pretty severely mentally and physically disabled people. And I sometimes, it sometimes seems to me that most people just want to pretend that those people don't exist. And she doesn't do that here. She doesn't ignore him or freak out or try to run away. She interacts with him. And I think for him, it's a positive experience, hopefully for her too. So Badhead and his girl are in bed now. He's lifting her legs up and down to exercise her. Uh, they're laughing. Kaja's father overhears the creaking bed and says they're doing exercises in there, which is weird, but correct. It's a weird but correct assumption. Um, now we see Bad Hat forcing her legs apart as she laughs, and their exercise changes, right? So after their quote-unquote exercising is done, she gets pouty. Kaja's more important to you than I am, she says. Again, we're reminded that she's, she's young. Uh, Kaja and Bad Hat drink and talk. Bad Hat hears Kaja's father snoring and conducts it like a symphony. The two men are drunk. Kaja says, do you even have a house? You don't. Do you have a car? You don't. Are you married? You're not. Bad Hat says, what's come over you? To me, you will always be an artist. Again, we've got these two visions of life, right? Settling down versus life on the road. And it's not a fight between the two exactly that we see, but whatever one you're in, you're probably at times dreaming of the other one, which is just, again, part of being human. We'll take our instruments into the world, Kaja tells Bad Hat. We'll play shows, not funerals. Although Bad Hat reminds him that funerals are pretty lucrative. Let's get going. Darkness. We see silhouettes of the men walking. We see the car in the garage, the chicken on top of it, the headlights on. Kaja examines the car and then turns the headlights off. It's morning. He's sober, presumably, or close to it. That dream of leaving was always just a dream although it probably felt pretty real to him the night before. Breakfast. What shall we drink to, Kaja's father says, raising his glass of what looks to be milk. To our health, to the concert, to a pretty woman, and what else? What's the difference, Kaja says. I never drank to that before, said his father, but they all raised their glasses. The milk, if it is milk, appears to be frozen solid, they stand there with their glasses tipped, waiting to be able to drink, and the film fades to black. So why call it intimate lighting? It's a term that can be applied to film, of course, but also to this particular film. We see these characters intimately in the quiet moments. The small ways that most of us spend our days. It's not glamorous, but it's life. And like with life, there's a subtle benevolence running through it, a kind of grace.
I give it three violins out of five. Thanks, listeners. Until next time, please check yourself. Check yourself.